Hi, and welcome to Parsha on a Pod. My name is Yechiel Shafar. I am the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation and host of this podcast. This week we will be taking a look at Parshat Vayigash, which loosely translates as, And he drew near. It is in this Parsha that Yosef's earlier dreams from a few weeks ago are realized where Yosef reaches the full stature of, of his aspirations, he reaches his full worldwide impact. And it is in this Parsha, Yosef is fully reunited with his brothers and his father, revealing to them his true identity. It's in this Parsha that, we, that the Jewish people meet a turning point in their history, moving their destiny away from the promised land and down to Egypt for the foreseeable future. Vayigash has 106 verses. It fills 178 lines in the Torah scroll. Is the 11th Parsha in the Torah. Here is Vayigash in seven parts. Part one, Yehuda as the first great Jewish defense attorney. Picking up from where we left off last week, Yehuda confronts Yosef boldly and unapologetically. After Yosef accuses the brothers of stealing, after Yosef instructs his guards to place Benjamin in jail, Yehuda magnificently reviews the series of events thus far and skillfully shares with Yosef the discussions that took place with their father before they returned to Egypt. Yehuda mentions in specific that their father has already lost one child and will not survive losing another. Rashi chapter 44 verse 19 notes that Yehuda's defense is really asking the question of Yosef regarding the special attention, the special interest that he has in the brothers. Rashi says that Yehuda was bewildered wondering whether the level of attention was warranted. They were not suggesting a marriage of their children, but were rather seeking simply to make an exchange of supplies to enter into a business deal. And so ends part one. Part two, the great reveal. Yehuda stresses the damage of returning to Yaakov without Binyamin and insists that he will take Binyamin's place in being incarcerated for the accused crimes. Yosef orders everyone to leave the room at this time so he could be alone with his brothers. And Yosef begins to cry. Yosef reveals his identity to his brothers, and they are stunned. They are speechless, the Torah tells us. Yosef asks the brothers to come closer, identifying himself again as the Yosef that they had sold into slavery all those years ago. He then reassures the brothers that he holds no grudges, but recognizes that divine providence brought him to Egypt. It was God who brought him there, to enable him to save his family during a terrible famine. Rashi, chapter 45, verse 2, 
points out that it was the members of the royal court that heard the cry of Yosef, and not the court itself, not the house of the Pharaoh, but the members inside the house of Pharaoh. This comment of Rashi should bring into focus the remarkable public emotional expression of a political leader and the kind of impact it made across Egyptian society. People were stunned that Yosef expressed emotions. Something special must have been unfolding in his court. And so ends part two. Part 3. Actions speak louder than words. Yosef continues to explain to his brothers that, was, that it was God who brought him to Egypt. But they remain skeptical that Yosef isn't resentful, that Yosef isn't going to exact revenge against them. He asks his brothers to quickly bring their father to Egypt so they can be reunited and the family can resettle in the land of Goshen for the remainder of the famine, five more years. Yosef then focused his attention on his younger, beloved brother, Binyamin, and he embraces him. Both Yosef and Binyamin cry on each other's shoulders, the Torah tells us. The Pharaoh hears about Yosef's guests and instructs them to return and bring Yaakov to Egypt. He instructs Yosef to send his brothers home and return with Yosef's father. Rashi chapter 45 verse 15 points out that only after Yosef weeps and embraces his brothers do they grow comfortable. It is only in that moment do they feel safe. And then they believe that he won't exact his revenge. It's the embracing between Yosef and the brothers that speak louder to the brothers about Yosef's intentions than all of the words, than all of his descriptions, that this was an act of God. And so ends part three. Part four. Guys, whatever you do, just don't fight. The Pharaoh encourages the brothers to leave and, and to not be concerned for their material well-being or their stuff. He assures them that when they return with their father, they will receive the best of the land. They will be able to settle here peacefully and safely. Yosef provides for the brothers wagons and supplies. And he gives Binyamin an extra generous gift, singling him out like Yaakov singled out Yosef. Yosef also provides a generous grift for them to bring back to Yaakov. And unusually, when he says goodbye to the brothers, he says, safe journey and whatever you do, guys, don't fight on the way home. It's so clear that there is more going on here than is what, than what is being said. It's unclear exactly what the dynamic between Yosef and the brothers and the internal dynamics are within the brothers themselves. The brothers return to Yaakov and they tell Yaakov that his beloved son Yosef is indeed alive. And he initially doesn't believe them until he sees the wagons being led by heifers. Rashi famously says on chapter 45 verse 27, 
that Yaakov knew was Yosef because the last subject matter that they had studied together was the laws of Egla Arufa. And seeing Yosef's heifers particularly poignant for him. And so ends part four. Part five, where everything changes for the Jewish people. Yaakov Yisrael sets out for Egypt. He offers sacrifices on his way to Egypt in Be'er Sheva. And it is there where Yaakov receives a message from God assuring him that he will be with him during his stay in Egypt and that he will ultimately be buried back in the promised land. Yaakov leaves Be'er Sheva and heads towards Egypt with his entire household. And we are now told who makes up Yaakov's family. The Torah tells us that there were 66 members of Yaakov's household. Rashi chapter 46 verse 26 points out that Yaakov's family is describing is described as having one soul, nefesh achat, because they all shared the same belief. They all had the same values as they entered this new uncharted ground. Faith, a united faith, is what defined Yaakov's family. And so ends part five. Part six, reunification. Yaakov sends Yehuda ahead of the traveling party to prepare Yosef for their arrival. Yosef heads out to Goshen and embraces his father and he weeps. Yaakov tells Yosef that he is now prepared to die after being reunited with Yosef. Yosef informs the brothers that he will go and tell the Pharaoh about their arrival and he advises them to tell the Pharaoh that they are shepherds, requiring them to be separate from the rest of Egypt who look down on that profession. Yosef is acutely aware of the complexity of integrating into a new society and the requirements of maintaining distinction between his family and the Egyptian world they live in. Yosef brings a few of his weaker-looking brothers. Take a look at Rashi 47.2 for something interesting that he says there to present them to the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh gives them the land of Goshen and puts them in charge of his own livestock. Yaakov now comes to greet the Pharaoh himself. And Pharaoh has one question for him. How old are you, Yaakov? You look so old. Yaakov responds that he is 130 years old and that he has had, indeed, a hard life. And so ends part six. Part 7. Yosef in all his glory. Yaakov and his sons settle in the land of Goshen, as the Pharaoh had instructed them to. The famine grows worse, and Yaakov gathers all the money and resources in the land of Egypt, bringing them under the guard, under the watch, into the property of the Pharaoh. 
after the Egyptians and the civilized world run out of resources, they come to Yosef requesting assistance, desperate for political intervention. He suggests that they trade their cattle for this assistance, which indeed they do. And then they come back again and ask for more assistance. Yosef suggests that they trade their land for seeds to plant. And he provides them the opportunity to strike a deal with the pharaoh. One-fifth of whatever grows, grows on their property will belong to the pharaoh. Four-fifths will be for them to keep. They all agree. And they identify themselves as Avde Pharaoh, as serfs, as servants, as slaves even, to the pharaoh. The parsha concludes that Israel, that Yisrael and his family settled in Goshen, and their numbers increased greatly, setting the scene for the weeks to come. And so concludes Parshat Vayigash. Thank you for studying with us, Parshat Vayigash. This is Parsha on the Pod. My name is Yechiel Schaffer. If you enjoyed this, this podcast, please feel free to subscribe on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts and share it with a friend. One final thought on the Parsha. When Yosef instructs everyone to leave the room with the intent of sharing his identity with the brothers, we would naturally think that Yosef does this because he wants to avoid a public expression of emotion. Yosef is about to cry, to sob, to reveal his true identity to his brothers. And he wants to maintain the dignity of office in front of the Egyptians and not cry in front of those who are subservient to him. That being said, that being said, Rashi and other commentaries point out that he asked all of the all of the all of the Egyptians to leave the room to protect not his own reputation but the reputation of his brothers. It is never made clear who knew about the history between Yosef and his brothers, but we must assume it was a story unknown to the Egyptians and only known to Yaakov and his sons because of the sensitive, the thoughtful actions of Yosef. Thank you again for taking a few minutes to listen to our Parsha review. Wishing everyone good health and happiness and a Shabbat Shalom. This was Parsha on a Pod. My name is Yechiel Schaffer. Take care.